My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. But they were both really needing, needing help and needing care. We had to figure out what did that look like? Who's going to pay for what? Who's going to take on what assignment? Local, long distance, uh, all of that. And there was no precedent and there was no playbook. Hey friend, welcome to the podcast. Are you wondering if Jesus is done with you? Well, he is not. When our nest empty, we get to serve him in new places and new ways. Never has the church needed us more. So let's get busy because we're not done yet. Before we get started with today's episode, I have an exciting announcement. I have a new book that was just published, and I am so excited about this book because I have to tell you, as I wrote it, I discovered how much I was missing out by not having all of my identity in Jesus. Putting Jesus On is my new book in a 31-day devotional that dives deep into the rich garments Jesus provides for us to wear through our relationship with Him. It also reveals the enemy's tactics to keep us naked, regretful, ashamed, and fearful. Every day we have a choice. Do we wear the rich wardrobe Jesus provides, or do we put on the shabby rags the world offers us? Thanks for joining me today on the We're Not Done Yet podcast. I have the privilege of welcoming back Leslie McLeod. Thank you for coming back again, Leslie. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. So let me introduce Leslie again, unless in case you missed out on the last time. Leslie is a mother of two adult children who enjoys her season of greatest connection and creativity as a writer, artist, and co-owner of a tech company with her husband of 36 years. She ministers to women who are experiencing relationship challenges as they and their families care for their aging parents. She found 2020 to be a year of surprising blessing and marvels at the doors God continues to open. And if you want to hear all about that, go listen to the previous episode because we got into some great stuff about how God is working. So thank you for coming back, Leslie. I'm excited for us to talk about our next subject. Thank you. This is a big one for a lot of women that are in empty nest is dealing with their aging parents. And and uh, it's quite a quite a paradigm shift. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to really focus on what Leslie has learned, some of the things that um, she went through and found, and she is in the process of writing a book. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. So your book title is um, proposed, you said, is different pages, how to keep your family together when your aging parents fall apart. So tell us about the premise, the focus of the book. Well, it was interesting you know, about five years after my empty nest, the children moved out, I stepped into this role that I didn't anticipate and I didn't want for caring for my, my aging parents. And so, um, you know, it was, it was empty for about five years. And then this incredibly intense experience of caring for my aging parents um, kicked in and that just uh, dominated my focus in my life for about three years. And 
so many of us in this season really do have parents that are aging. Um, If we're blessed enough to still have them around, then they may be nearby, they may be far away, but they're very much a part of your life. And as they age, eventually, it's, it's just natural that they will begin needing some help. And that can look like a lot of things. Um, the My particular situation was my, I'm one of five children and um, we were kind of spread around several or more, more local. None of us lived within an hour and a half of where our parents were still in the house that we grew up in. They were still there. They were still married and they were still, I thought they were still independent. I thought they were fine. Um, my, I was closer to my mom and great relationship. And she would always basically just listen to me spout. I was still her little girl. And so uh, that was the role that I liked. I think she liked it. Meanwhile, this poor woman was falling apart. She had all kinds of medical problems. She had, um, you know, blood pressure problems, arthritis and um, heart problems that I knew nothing about because I didn't really want to see her as falling apart. My dad, in the meantime, also had heart problems and, and was developing Alzheimer's. So in my mind, they were still fine. They looked fine. They were still in that home. She would still have, to the best of her ability, these wonderful Christmas gatherings where everybody would come in. Um, and that's the, that was the mom that I had in my mind. Well, early, early one year, she ended up in the hospital. She took an accidental overdose of a blood thinner, and that knocked her out. She was, she was in the hospital, and that was the beginning of, of an understanding that um, we as siblings need to step in here. She's, she's not 100% anymore. And I had my head in the sand. I did not want to recognize that or deal with it. But um, I, I did have an opportunity to go with my parents to see my, my brother and sister-in-law across country. I, I took my, my poor feeble parents across, all the way across, scooting them along to, to go see my, my brother's new home. And um, they loved that, but they were so exhausted and my sister-in-law pulled me into the kitchen with my brother and said, Leslie, you guys need to talk. I said, talk, talk about what? She said, your, your parents, they're not okay. They're falling apart and you guys need to do something. So just start talking about it. And I was kind of in shock, but she was right. And she was a little farther along. She had lost her mom and she had seen the signs. She hadn't seen my parents for years. And so she knew that, um, they, they were further along their journey than I had wanted to realize. So at that point, the five of us had to figure out, navigate that very, very delicate path of what do mom and dad need in terms of support and care? What are they going to tolerate? Um, they were used to being independent. They didn't, that generation doesn't want to be a bother. So they'll never tell you if there's something wrong. Um, but they were both really needing, needing help and needing care. We had to figure out what did that look like? Who's going to pay for what? Who's going to take on what assignment? Local, long distance, uh, all of that. And there was no precedent and there was no playbook. These are siblings that I love, but I have had really very, you know, limited relationship with in terms of, you know, intense projects like this. I mean, I think we, we planned a 50th anniversary party for my parents and that was a big deal. We, we got together and pulled that together but nothing like this. This is a project that has life and death implications. It's got emotional triggers from childhood. It's got relational issues between the siblings and even the grandchildren. This is something that nobody 
very few people, I think, really prepare for or want to think about. And all of a sudden, it was thrust on us. And, and I was blindsided. I think we were all blindsided in a way. We loved our parents. We wanted what was best for them. That was absolutely foremost. But it looked very different. So different pages, um, indeed. We came at the same project from a completely different orientation. This is what I think they need. No, this is what they need. Well, this is what I'm going to provide. Well, that's not enough, you know. And so many of those issues really ended up with some relationship struggles that um, I hadn't anticipated, but ended up being so painful. And so uh, the bruised relationships hurt and lingered even more in some ways than my parents passing. Mm. Wow. That's a very needed topic because Mm -hmm. you're right in the aging parents discussion, which is, has needs a lot of discussion. I do not hear about that. I do not hear about how are you going to deal within, within your sibling group. And that is hard. Um, I've had it on my, on my husband's side and, and you just realize not everybody's looking at it the same, but it's all of your parents. So you've got to figure out a way, a way to come together with that. So um, what, um, what is your, you know, I don't want to put too much on you. I know it'd be too, it's too big of a subject to do in a, in 10 minutes of an interview, but what is some beginning advice would you give us some first steps for someone's facing this? They've got siblings. They're going to have to figure out how to navigate this. Do you have some first steps that you might say, Hey, this is where at least you want to get started or some good questions to ask or something like that? Um, yeah. Yeah. My, my, my sister-in-law's prompt was, was a good one. And well, with, with the uh, advent of technology and zoom and FaceTime and all that, Really, the main thing is to just get everybody together, all of them. There may be siblings that are a wall. They're, you know, just not have not been connected to your parents. Maybe they are, have a difficult relationship with your parents, um, but they are still your parents. And so, get everybody together, either, um, you know, virtually, physically is even better. I had one friend who I've interviewed a lot of people for the book who have entered this challenge and faced it and handled it different ways. One of them, the brother went and to where his sisters were living, flew out and said, okay, we're going to sit down. Let's map this thing out. Who's going to do what? What do you think they need now? How are we going to handle the finances? Um, So a proactive conversation at whatever point, one of them, at least one of the siblings needs to say, Hey, I'm sending up a flag here. Um, Mom and dad need help. Let's talk about what that looks like and get everybody's perspective. You definitely won't all be on the same page, but at least you can get that conversation started and, um, and it's a beginning. Um, so that, that's probably the, the first step is get everybody talking. If you can't get together, email works great. Just copy everybody and get those emails going back and forth, get ideas going. Um, and if you can get some direction and any degree of consensus, then that's, that's a huge blessing. So on your website, you say you are currently writing a book designed to support hurting hearts and lighten the burden of relational regret during parents' last years. So in that sentence, you really are talking about that relational regret amongst the siblings? Well, yes, yes. And, you know, my situation is 
most of us siblings um, were were very much in agreement. There was one that was not on site that didn't have access to the day to day necessarily and would come in and visit. And that's a very common dynamic is to just show up on the scene like, you know, superhero. And I'm going to just take care of it and make sure everything is, is perfect for mom and dad. Well, we've been handling it boots on the ground here for quite a while. And so, you know, that dynamic, you know, was was fraught with potential for conflict and judgment unintended. What happened was there was a lack of communication on the topic of stuff, honestly, and it can be whatever whatever issue it is that your family is dealing with, but it was the the inheritance, the the artistic things that that were in my mom's home. At some point, she and my dad had to move out, and um, there we hadn't had that conversation about what's she going to do with the stuff. And basically, the the ones that were on the boots on the ground were in agreement. Nobody's going to do anything with her stuff. It's her stuff until she's long gone. Stuff is so not important now. Well, uh, you know, it was it was sudden and it was not communicated. And after a visit, a great deal of stuff was gone. Mm. And that became that became devastating to me. There were also some conversations that were um, very hurtful and judgmental between um, a grandchild and and this one of my siblings. So there's so much emotional um, tension um, in these in this season, and it's it's so easy to allow a lack of communication or imperfect and emotionally fraught communication to just pull pull you apart. And because we didn't talk about that one topic. I was hurt. I was devastated. And um, basically, it severed that relationship for uh, about five years until I finally, um, God said, you can go ahead and write about this, but you're going to have to deal with that sibling first. So, <laughs> so, so I did. And it turned out it was, it was not malicious, but it was just a um, misunderstanding that had horrible consequences um, relationally. Yeah. Um my family history has, um, when my great-grandparents died, died, their children so notoriously were divided over yeah. the things that were trying to be divided up amongst in the house, that it became a family rule about, you know, well, remember, remember how bad it can be. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, that's a lesson with long-standing pain. And it can divide a family. And if you're losing your parents, you don't want to lose your siblings too. So what an important subject. Thank you for writing about that. Yeah. And there's, and there really are some, some very basic, um, you know, I, in the book, I go into kind of why, why is conflict so common in this season? It, it really is. It's a very, very unique and it's a very, it may be a long-term thing. You know, I know folks that have cared for their parents for, you know, a decade or more and caregiving can be, it can be hands-on physically taking care of them, or it can be arranging for them to move, when, how, what does that look like, where. Um, so that's a whole conversation with a lot of emotion built in. At what point do you help your parents move from independence to dependence? And how do you do that in a way that's honoring to them and in agreement with your siblings? So there's there's a lot of issues there. It's, it's a unique season, whether it's decade or more, or as ours was, was basically three years and um, within the span of three years, both parents were gone. And so it was short term, but it was very intense. 
and there was um, a lot of a lot of issues for which we were not prepared in terms of you know just emotional fluency and um, conflict management and communication skills and styles. So there are you know very specific things to this season that um, that need kind of need need special attention to make sure that you're handling it well and in a way that will allow you to go forward as siblings after your parents are gone. I didn't want to think about it. There's not going to be a time when mom's not around. Well, yeah, there there is. And you'll still be a family. You'll still have relationships. And you want to make sure that, that you're intentional about what that's going to look like at, to the best of your ability. What can I do to make sure that we go forward and we're close in a way that, you know, and God has a way of shifting dynamics when, you know, the parents are gone or one parent is gone. Things shift, relationships shift, but they don't have to be um, shattered. Mm-hmm. And there's there's ways to do that. And there are, are um, certain do's and don'ts, I guess, that I would I would maybe encourage people to consider. Such an important topic. So you you said in our last episode that you are, have been writing about this um, on your blog, um, and I will include links to Leslie's website um, on the show notes. But uh, do you find that it, this subject is resonating with people that oh gosh, they're also yeah. <laughs> going through this? Yes, I have so many people that are, um, you know, and I've already, it's already, it's been five or six years, I guess, since my parents have passed. And so there are so many people that are just coming along, my little sisters that are just kind of coming along into this season and saying, please write your book. I, <laughs> I need that. I need that information. I need it quick because I'm, I, I'm heading. And sometimes it's my, my husband's family. What do I do as the in-law? You know, so, mm-hmm. so, so many of us in this season, you know, we've gone from the empty nest and now we're, we're looking at um, the aging parent caregiving season. And, and that is intense. And we do have, I have a lot, a lot of people that I have spoken to and I get their stories about, you know, we did it right. We did it. We, it, we did it well. We still get along great. We did some creative things. Um, and, and I think it, it was pretty peaceful. And then there's others that are just horror stories about, like you said, you know, about your, your great grandparents and they're having tremendous strife and it's distressing to the parents because they see it. Um, so it, you know, it is a season that, that requires that a lot of people, everybody will eventually run into the season in some way, shape or form. And you need to be intentional uh, about how are we going to approach this? Because we kind of just blah, um, just dove into it and did the best we could. But uh, we could definitely have done it better with some some thought and some support and some resources. Um, so I could I could go into a couple of the 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 ideas of, of things that are helpful and things that maybe. Yeah, why don't you give us a couple of ideas? One of them was manager expectations. Um, don't assume that you're right. You know, don't, don't assume that, that, that their way of handling things is, is necessarily wrong. Don't expect it to be um, even. The pie is not going to get sliced all the same way. Somebody may end up with more of the burden than others. Be really gentle with your expectations of yourself and of others. Um, um, don't judge. You know, don't be the don't be the superhero that flies in and says, you guys are not doing this right. Um, you know, unless there's clear sign of abuse or neglect, um, you have to be uh, very forgiving of yourself and, and your siblings. Um, don't take sides. A lot of siblings pair up and they it's us against them. Well, she's the one that's, you know, whatever, selfish, you know, not not sharing, not not doing her part. Or he's the one that's clueless. That is that help. No, that's not helpful. And so see what you can do to give each other the benefit of the doubt and 
fight that tendency to have an us versus them mentality within your family. Um, don't take on more than you can or more than you should. More than you can is physically and logistically within your lifestyle. How much can you actually take on? You got to be realistic about that. And how much can your siblings take on um, given your other responsibilities? You know, and, and, and physically, what can you do? And then more than you should would be don't take on more than you should in terms of independence. Your parents are still your parents. They're still independent people. They're adults. And yeah, they need more help, but they're going to struggle with that because they, they want to remain independent and they should as long as they can. And so you want to be very, very judicious about um, offering support that's appropriate to their needs at that moment and, and shifting as, as they change. Um, some of the do's, you know, to, to do is, is communicate, communicate, communicate. That's really the main thing. We found emails very helpful. Having one gatekeeper is helpful. When you're talking about maybe some volatile issues or sensitive issues, have everybody email it to one person who will go ahead and communicate it out to the others in a way that's um, uh, just a little bit censored. <laughs> Sometimes that can be that can be helpful to have a gatekeeper. Um, dividing the duties based on on your strengths, on your logistical strengths. My one sister was very good at um, um, logistics and and money and paperwork and handling that side of things. And I was more comfortable with hospitals and, you know, illness and the medical side of things. And so that was a, a pretty logical division. Other ones are not on site or one of them was going through a painful divorce. And so she really was not available. We had to make accommodations for that. So just divide the duties based on, on who can do what realistically. Um, engaging professionals when you can can be super helpful, taking the burden off um, the individual siblings. Be creative. Um, I did have one friend who who said that her mom um, was was failing, but there was a song that she wanted sung at her funeral. And so she didn't want to miss it. So they went ahead and got the singer and brought her to the house. And she sang this beautiful hymn for her mom and she got to enjoy it. And they got to enjoy that moment as a as a family. So so creativity is good. Uh, Laughing is good. Hugging is good. Sharing your emotions honestly. And that's hard for some families and some individuals. And you've got to have grace for that. Some folks are have very difficult time talking about how they really feel. Or it comes out sideways. Like I'll be really angry about they put the wrong color towels in my mom's room. And, and I explode about that. She wanted blue and they're green. Well, that's just my anxious and, and broken heart coming out in sideways. And so being aware that your emotions are just, they're create crazy right now and they're going to come out in funny ways and step back. If somebody's coming on too strong is something that seems like it's overdoing it. What's really going on behind that and see if you can pursue that, or at least just give them some grace on that. Capturing memories is important. Spending the time with your parents in a positive way and not be too focused on caregiving, but just being with them and enjoying them and allowing your siblings to do that as well. Oh gosh, that's so helpful, Leslie. Thank you. That was succinct and helpful. And um, I will get those written down in the show notes if people want to want to go there on my website. But you also have a PDF guide, um, a resource guide um, on your website. So tell my listeners where they can find that. Uh, your website is lesliemcleod.com. Why don't you spell it's, your name? It's, 
it's it's L A McLeod is my okay. initials, so it's Leslie Ann, or I'm in the L A area, so you can remember it that way too. It's L A McLeod, M C L E O D dot com, L A McLeod dot com, and there are places. There's contact places, and there's a little pop up that allows you to go ahead and communicate with me um, from that website, and it comes via email, and just request the the resource guide, and it's really just a PDF with some of the books and resources that I have found helpful in doing my research. There are lots of good caregiving, none that are really specific to siblings. And that's where my book hopefully is going to fill a, fill a gap, but there are plenty of books out there that are, that are very helpful for caregivers. And there are people, just folks that I've met on, I've, I've found pages on Instagram and Facebook and groups that are out there that are really focused on supporting families that are dealing with aging parents. They may be specific to Alzheimer's or dementia or just more general about caregiving, but um, I've got a list of those and those links are on the PDF. So I'll make that available uh, to anybody that, that requests it. Perfect. And then you also told me about an award-winning devotion that you have, and I want to put the link up to that as well. Tell us about this one, Setting Your Hope Free. I think that just, I can't wait to read it, just the title alone. <sighs> well, as we've discussed, I'm, some of you may not have heard the previous section, but I, I had a tendency to focus on others when I was raising my children. And that's just my personality is to focus on others. And I never acknowledged that I had hopes or dreams. That was dangerous. That was scary because if you have a hope and a dream, it can get dashed. It can get pulled out from under you and that would break your heart. And so I just didn't entertain those at all. Even in my relationship with the Lord, I didn't, I didn't really think he had the best in mind for me. And so I, I tended to try to stay safe and not really trust. And then just in the last uh, couple of years, God has captured my heart, revealed himself to me in a way that is beautiful and convincing and authentic. And I feel free to trust him with my hopes and with my dreams. And he has just honored that in, in ways that have just been so, so glorious and so satisfying and, and helpful. And so I wrote a little a little story about that called setting your hopes free. And it did win an award. What more important is it did resonate with a lot of, a lot of people who, who read that and who have been guarding their hearts and trying to keep it safe and not necessarily, you know, trusting God with that secret place. And um, he does want to set those hopes free and fulfill them in ways that are beyond imagining. Mm. So that will make that available too. Lovely. Well, listeners, you're going to want to find that. You can either go to her website or you can come to my website under the podcast. I will have show notes with the links to all the things Leslie has shared with us today. And our last questions I'd like to ask every guest. Um, first is, um, what habit or practice helps you move, keep moving forward with the Lord? Well, this is a, and I, I'm, not, I'm terribly undisciplined. I'm, I'm really not good at, at you know, sitting down and, and doing the spiritual routines that did that, you know, everybody would talk about, but here's a little one that I do. And I have done just in the, in the last year or two, that's, that's really helped my first conscious thought every morning before I get out of bed, before I, I even think about anything else. I see this is, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And that's the thought that I grab as I'm just coming out of sleep and into consciousness I choose to grab that little thought. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it sets the tone for my whole day. He's in charge. He wants to give me joy. 
And so I choose to accept that and walk out in that. What a lovely declaration to begin with. And it's scriptural, so we know it's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. The spiritual power. That's a great practice, Leslie. That's a great practice. So what book would you recommend to my listeners? Um, I, I think there's so many that are, are related to caregiving of aging parents. Specifically, I don't have one. But I do, I do like the one, um, get your life back from, from John Eldridge. That's the one that, that comes to mind that, that really can support anybody in any season to get closer to Jesus. And that's going to be the, the bedrock of, of, of any season that you're in and any, um, you know, whether you're dealing with aging parents or, or something else, doing it with Jesus's power and help is, um, is going to be best. And so that's, that's my favorite book. All right. So I have links to that. That was Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. I am a John Eldridge fan. I like his books. And so I'm looking forward to getting that one. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for spending time, not just on one episode, but two. Um, so much great wisdom and help and encouragement for several different topics. And so I'm so grateful the Lord brought our paths together. And um I look forward to getting into your material. I have not yet entered um, the season of caring for parents. My parents are in their 80s and are um, trekking along, but that has been a good work for me to not assume everything is going as well as the exterior looks and to be, um, be in open conversations with them. So thank you for that encouragement. Um, and also thank you for your time, Leslie. My pleasure. It's been such a, such a privilege. Thank you. All right. We will see you next time on the We're Not Done Yet podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Check out my website, susankmacias.com, to find more encouragement and to be empowered toward taking your next step. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Susan K. Macias. If you enjoyed the podcast, would you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen on? Subscribe and share it with a friend who needs some encouragement to pursue God's call. And what about you? What's Jesus calling you to do? Be brave. Take a baby step. Do the next thing. Because you're not done yet.